Welcome to episode 405 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with Maddie Enlow, New York City artist and activist, among other things. And we discuss what could save the world, QAnon, garden spaces, what crazy is, fighting emotions, too much sadness, and how we might go into the future. A wonderful conversation with Maddie Enlow on this week's program. We have an EW essay titled Persian Rug, and we share actual findings regarding our world and human species as gathered and published by Harper's Magazine in their September 2020 edition, as well as a poem called Grand. All of this will be infused and imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 405 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
children and she's got a gun hitting up her sleeve Now stand up on my shoulders And tell me honey, what can you see? Ten thousand holy rollers Go in the battle, play white tees Persian Rug Echo Chambers and Ecosystems Television and Website Mission Sweeping Real Truth and Schisms Under the Big Persian Rug Laying on the old hardwood floor in the room Without a door Next to the kitchen Where we boil broths Using spices and bones from across the land until we come up with a soup so succulent and nourishing. One bowl can cure the cold right out of you. Whilst within another milieu does spin and spew, a national discourse still stymied in the sweet sunshine of perpetual emotion, though so vapid and adolescent inside the commotion, a nihilistic pang of whatever can be heard too. We worry more about socialists than we do about sociopaths. We champion quasi-philosophers rather than the genuine sort. We welcome too many charlatans and ill-guided grifters into our ports and do nothing as they pit us against one another so we are too distracted to realize the deep crimes against the land and humanity that are perpetuated in the name of their greed and problems at living. One must not become full of hate and rancor, though the feeling of despair is surely strong. We each can be a beacon of earnest intelligence, love, and wisdom. What better way to counter the cataclysm? A vast array throughout the land we can. Then this wistful thing will ring sweeter songs of being for more. ¶¶ 
Getting lots on a bagel. That's good. I love so, it. You like it? Oh, sure. Hello? Maddie Enlow, is that you? Yeah, sorry, one second. Did this show start already? All right, I am brushing my teeth already over Brooklyn. One second. <laughs> Uh, this might be the first time we've had someone brushing their teeth while, while, yeah, uh, yeah this is great. Break a new ground. Let's hear the spit. Yeah, there we go. I was trying to, you know, make everybody else, maybe I have one more minute. I'll have one minute one more time. Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, we're heard a lot of places too, Maddie, outside of Radio Free Brooklyn. So you could, you could say hello to a lot of people. People all across the continent. Hello. How how are you? Now I, I want to make sure. First of all, do you want to be called Maddie, or would you be uh, would you prefer Madeline or Madeline? Uh, Madeline is definitely not my name, but Madeline is fine. Maddie is fine. All of those things are fine. I'm not. I mean, I'm not really that picky. I feel like even if you did call me Madeline, I could be okay with it. Okay. But that's almost like a trauma, you know, like kids park being like Madeline. It's like my name is Madeline. <laughs> You're a New York City artist and activist among other things, right? I chilled out since then, you know, for people who don't know I did it's kind of like I don't even know what I would call it. Like a very young political show called What Would Save the World like years ago. I would I would only describe it as young. Like not completely nuanced, very different than I think now. Well, not very, but, you know, you definitely for sure. Yeah, the show, What Would Save the World, you, you think you were a little young when when uh, broaching that uh, heavy question? Is that what, what you're saying? I mean, I just think that I was, like, very intense about what I thought and wasn't very good at weighing other opinions or thoughts. And I think that, I don't know, I think I just come in sort of, like, with an angry like rebellious youth kind of thing, if that makes sense. Like I definitely notice a lot of young people being very like dig their heels in on certain topics. And sometimes they're completely right. And they're trying to take 
sort of like, you know, what their parents' generation did wrong and make it better. And that's always great. I, I think that's good. And I think I still view things a lot of the same. It's just kind of like how you express it and what you think the actual solutions are. Like when you talk to some people who are like young activists, like on all topics, they don't really understand like how our government works. Or, like, if we, you know, a lot of people say, like, they don't want a government, but they want all these things to happen. And, you know, you kind of need capitalism to be regulated if you want, you know, to have certain rights. And a lot of people don't understand that stuff. Basically, I think I just was a little ignorant. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, that's the way we all are when we're younger. But the fact that you were motivated is is a great thing. And then, you know, you develop as a person. Uh, hopefully, and you are obviously. Uh, you're right now. You're still young. I would say. I mean, I mean, tw- yeah, what are you? Twenty eight, twenty nine. Twenty eight, but you know, I feel like that's definitely like a different age bracket for sure. You know, I'm not old, but you know, I talk to some twenty two year olds, younger people. They definitely are on a different wavelength. You know, depending. You know, people mature at different rates at times. True. And it is relative. It is relative. You know, to someone who's 15, you're old. To someone who's 50, you're young. You know, it's very relative. But nonetheless, uh, you you are a, a very interesting individual. And I know today you wanted to get into some, well, there are a lot of areas you're open to talk about. One was the, uh, the uh, QAnon uh, and the 4chan and all that, you know, crazy, I will call it crazy, it's the uh, American extremism, uh, white male in particular. You want to go and, and explain what you meant by that? I'm going by some of the texts you sent me. Yeah, I can talk about any of that. I just sent you sort of a blurb of what I think it is. So I'm just really sort of like, you know, I'm not happy about it at all, but I'm sort of fascinated by it because I feel like since I was younger, there has been this very like quiet, I don't know, like like warnings of this happening sort of like I kind of view QAnon as sort of like a less valid and probably smaller ISIS if that makes sense in the sense that it's just like even like ISIS like a lot of the stuff that they spread in the Middle East about the Quran is like not even in the Quran you know Mm -hmm. similar to how talking about all these things that like aren't real at all you know Um, and I think that um, you know, like, whereas with ISIS, like, obviously, like, I don't think there's any excuse to, like, do anything violent, but, like, the Middle East is so, like, has been so destroyed by, like, the Western world, you know, like, we have been involved in, like, so many wars, you know, and just so you know, the, the Middle East, like, actually gets bombed. So, you know, I understand that, like, oppression can often, you know, what would you call it, like, influence extremism, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, right. which, me, though, I just think, like, a lot of these people who are in QAnon are, like, white dudes who are not actually oppressed, like, in any way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not, it, it, even though, to me, they have, like, parallels parallels with ISIS, like, their anger is so much less valid, in my opinion. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I feel like, like, Middle East, like, yeah, that is probably a really hard place to live. Like, the U.S., like, if you're, like, a white person in the U.S. and you're hungry, like, you're probably, like, yes, you could be a homeless white person, but I just think food access in the U.S. and all that stuff is, like, actually not hard. You know, I have chosen to be homeless before, and I know that that's, you know, its own thing, and that comes from privilege, and it's complicated in America, blah, 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 but I know how easy it is to get food in America, you know, and how, like, 
I don't know. I just think that most of these guys at this protest are not struggling at all because of our government. They're not, or because of anything like that. Like, they're not systemically oppressed. They don't talk about real issues. They want to feel, like, important because they haven't educated themselves enough to actually understand, like, what's real. Like, like people who believe in a lot of these theories, like, don't know how to identify what an accurate source is on the internet. You know, they don't know, like, what a science journal is or what's, like, a reputable source. You know, they're, like, referencing like somebody on like 4chan. And this is where it goes back to what I was talking about. So when I was younger growing up, I was born in 92. I think I was like probably one of the first, you know, generations of people to grow up with the internet, right? So I think that my generation was affected in such a weird way in the sense that like the internet now, more people have it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like grandmas have it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, them really like people my age and maybe a little older, you know, in a range did social media and stuff like that. You know, my mother and father never had a MySpace. They both have Facebook and Instagrams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you think so, that makes it better or worse or more difficult? I think it's, it's, it's not a value. Just. I think that um, my generation was greatly raised on the internet and this 4chan about i i have been saying i didn't even understand that QAnon was linked to 4chan until last week like officially that it actually started on 4chan so let me explain this 4chan is a forum that a lot of people went on in like the early thousands and it's sort of like where memes started like nobody really talked about memes like in mainstream until fairly recently um and but it was really like dark and there was a lot of uh like profanity, like a lot of like the N word, a lot of like, you know, what would you call it? Um, vulgarity? People, it's vulgarity, but they also think they're like being funny. Like they think that it's like a joke. Sophomore, like, sophomoric sort of mentality, almost like adolescent. That, yeah, they, they just think that they're being funny without really, you know, just people saying, they, they think. And it's like, oh, ironic, that's what they say. Oh, it's so ironic to say this racist stuff. So I think that what happened there, it's like there was like a split off of what happened. And I knew young white guys in New York who were on these websites. And, um, you know, there was a split off where some of them became like adults and realized that, you know, this is actually not funny. And we had to move into sort of this more, you know, people complain about it, you know, the politically correct, whatever, that that is actually like, some amount of that is good, and we shouldn't joke with the N-word, and we shouldn't say slurs, because they're not actually funny, you know, this is, a portion of them grew up, and then a portion of them became these guys who, like, you know, for the past four years, you know, like, colleges and stuff, where it's like, they won't let us have free speech, because they want, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos not to harass gay kids here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. So I think... So yeah, they're so using like, the whole freedom of speech right uh, that we have here in this country as a way to justify hate speech. Yeah, exactly. And that's been going on in the background. And like a, a lot of people have been saying, you know, just ignore them. They'll go away. But I was always kind of like thought that they could go to this level of extreme a little bit. Like I, you know, Charlottesville, I had like friends who were there who were like injured by the car. They're like, wow. Well, but, you know, it's yeah, so, like, I've been sort of following this, like, in the background. I used to be, like, I used to go to protests a lot more. I don't go anymore, but, um, because I, I, I just don't feel safe in big crowds like that. But, 
like, I think that there have been people quietly sowing seeds in the background, like on the internet to like keep racism alive and I and keep like, you know, I think that some of this is like young white dudes having to achieve higher standards than before to be successful because the range of people who are going for, you know, middle paying and high paying jobs have expanded. Do you know what I'm saying? More women, more people for like immigrants, different people. Right. Like, Right. Jeopardizing their, their privilege and their, you know, their unfettered access as they've had for so long. Uh, because, yeah. They're not comfortable with it, you know, and I think that's a big part of what's going on. It all started on, like, that forum Q. On 4chan, they have all these letters, and one of the popular ones back in the day was B that stood for random, and the Q one is where all of this started. It started on a forum, so I think... I think it was 2017, back in 2017, yeah, on 4chan. And, and the Q, doesn't that represent something that's like a highly classified uh, access to yeah. government uh, intelligence or something? That's what the letter Q yeah. is supposed to signify, I think. It just shows you how scary people are that they really think that, like, that's where it would be. Like, yeah, this high intelligence, they're going to post it on 4chan, this website that's, like, predominantly hentai. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, you know, you know, yeah. Like, why would you think? So it just shows. So I think that we just have this sort of like weird other epidemic going on in the U.S. That is like people in their basements who never see anybody else, and they base everything they think off of inaccurate sources on the internet. And I think we have that combined with like this sort of like you know visceral reaction from these people in like middle america and and on some of they're not they project it in a weird direction but some of it or like a direction but some of it is also just like you know technology and certain like industries have not replaced like what coal was for people in america you know like industries that were like uh, are sort of not there manufacturing and stuff yeah yeah they're right about some of that stuff, but that's not what they're saying. Yeah, they're saying there's this conspiracy where politicians and business people, media types are, are satanic and they're pedophiles and, and Trump is going to save them from all that. That's what the, they think the QAnon uh, whole conspiracy theory is based on. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, literally the the pizza place where they say Pizza Gate happened. With Hillary, yeah, did not, did not even have a basement. It just the building didn't have a basement. They were like, all this stuff is going on in the basement, and they were like, there's they, somebody went there with a gun, and it turns out that pizza place did not have a basement at all. And they don't so, care. When you hit them with facts, they don't care about it. Yeah, well, what, you know, you, they'll just, well, you're just, uh, you don't, you're a non-believer or you're, you know, you're part of the problem. You know, some simple brush off like that to facts. Some of it's just insecurity, I think. I've also noticed that almost everyone I know who believes in any conspiracy theory has no, um, does not have a high level of formal education. I don't, but I also noticed that that's a specific um, thread. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's true. I think you were what you said earlier, they're not comfortable about something, you know, whether the, their opportunities in life or or you know, different people 
that they don't, you know, yeah. feel feel they understand or comfortable with, and so they need to come up yeah. with these crazy things. I think what needs to happen is if we really want to be effective, there needs to be uh, like a large implementation of like programs about like how to identify a source that starts really young because you can't change adults at a certain point. Adults, if they want to change, they have to decide. They would have to meet the right person at the right time, and they got to make that decision. That's like what I've like it doesn't you can't just make someone change their mind you need to start with the little kids and make them understand what a source is and you need to also there needs to be so much more um public mental health service no doubt no and you know critical thinking is should be taught grade one right through high school then once you graduate high school you're set you don't even have to go to college you know really if you if you're if you're given the right skill set and knowledge base uh, in, in the uh, primary, secondary school years, you're set. You should be ready to go. Um, but you, we don't. We don't do that for our, for our people. I think a twelve year old could understand that this is a science journal, and this is something someone you don't know wrote that you should check the science journal or like history. Whatever. Only one I would make an exception for is sometimes history. Sometimes, not all the time. Just because history has been so poorly. Um, regurgitated, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. By the way, we're talking to Maddie Enloe, New York City artist and activist here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. She's also part of uh, a station that I'm part of, proud to say, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, she has her, Do you have a show now? Are you working on one? Taking a break from it, but right now I have a show that's probably going to come back in the spring, depending on you know everything going on with me, um, called City Time, and that's spelled like the herb, you know, with an H-T-H-Y-N-E, and that's a show where I talk to different people doing urban agriculture and environmental projects in Brooklyn and other cities, but, you know, but most mostly I talk to people in New York. Yeah, city, herb, the time. City yeah. time. It's time to grow herbs in the city. It's time to, you know, invest in more environmental things like I don't this is not a full fleshed out idea that I have yet but you know I watched a documentary about Takashi 69 who's this like ridiculous Instagram rapper um but he grew up in Bushwick you know pre-gentrification or sort of during it but in you know it's not a gentrification household and um I was just thinking he got involved with a lot of really crazy things when he was younger like gangs and all this stuff and I was just thinking like you know what there's like almost no other option for him someone like him you know it was either like be a crazy celebrity work in a deli or you know get like a small job or like you go to church like that's what it seems like exists and if, if you live in an area without a lot of money and you don't have a lot of money there needs to be like zoning for like community like garden spaces there needs to be way more stuff like that because i feel like a lot of people just don't have a lot of options. So they're either going to be involved in like gangs or QAnon or something like not completely productive for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we do have to invest in our communities and our people and give them other options besides just that very narrow option of you go to college, you know, you get a it's bunch so of debt, you go get a job that maybe you don't want just to pay off the debt. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't have the means or the inclination. They don't want to do that. And, and like you said, what other options? that I've been thinking about when you analyze someone else's behavior in your life at a distance, like look at like what were their options before you completely judge them. Right. 
Yeah, and you don't know what kind of abuse they had to deal with either, whether it be physical, verbal, emotional, psychological. You just you don't know. I try to think about that too, you know, myself when I before judging people because I know there are times when I've been a jerk and I know I've been a jerk. If you know, I step outside myself and I and if if someone saw me at that moment, they would think I'm totally a jerk, but I'm not. I just had a weak moment because of something that really affected me negatively maybe 10 years ago or maybe five minutes ago. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to have that sort of empathy and patience and and, and kindness in a way. At the same time, you got to protect yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like, you know, obviously like I can't make anybody else do this, but in my opinion, I should be allowed to have whatever feelings I want about anything, but Rarely, rarely, rarely does it ever excuse me acting crazy. You know, sometimes I can just let it go and forgive somebody else for acting crazy. But at this point in my life, like, I definitely struggle with a lot of, like, mental health issues. And I think that it's, like, the only thing I have control over in my life other than, you know, if I'm going to have all these difficult feelings and stuff, I must learn to keep myself at bay so that, I can have a better experience, even through those emotions, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, you're trying to live fully. You're trying to be a whole person and not deny your, who you are or what your experience is, but you don't want to act crazy, quote unquote. Now, how would you, you know, how do you know what crazy is, though? How do we define that? How do we judge that? Um, I mean, I don't really know what crazy is. I think, because uh, this word kind of gets tossed around a lot. Um, I think that crazy sometimes can mean dangerous. Sometimes it can mean fun. It can mean all these things. But I guess I would just say that I think composure is a really important word for people who don't want to get in fights with people. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you're constantly, you know, but I also say this from a place of someone who is, you know, has a wide scope of options in the sense that I have like family who will help me with therapy, money and everything like that, you know, so it's a little different. I have, you know, the resources to say all these things, you know, um, but I know thinking when I give in to trauma and, you know, something that happened 10 years ago, or I'm going to be mad now, like I end up acting in ways I don't want to act. So in a way, like I have to be able to, you know, and also if you fight an emotion, you're more likely to act crazy because you know if you feel sad you're gonna feel sad if you try to fight it too much you're gonna end up getting even sadder i feel like at some point because you really didn't want to be sad do you know what i'm saying like you have the i don't want to be sad and you're sad so if you can just accept that you feel sad for a moment and let it pass over you and not let it become like a huge thing that you project on somebody else yeah is this making Yes, you make total sense to me, Maddie. Total sense. I, I'm I, I'm enjoying yeah. talking with you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just, sadness yeah. is part of life, and if you deny that reality, then you're not you're not really living. You're you're correct. Yeah, you're you're gonna make yourself probably act in ways that like you didn't want. I think in order to be in control of your emotions, you have to be very aware of what's happening, and you can't fight them. Yeah. I, I uh, often go there with a lot of my f- family and friends uh, and guests on the show talking about sadness and how 
I have a one one uh, guest that comes on regularly, uh, Surf William. He goes by, and he he talks about, you know, he's you know he, he's sad a lot of the time, and he embraces it, and and it passes over as you said, it passes, and he realizes things about himself, and and uh, he you know it's he he actually doesn't mind when that happens. It's depression, you know, deep depression's different than sadness, you know. I. Uh... I don't love, um, what did he say? He said, I, I don't always love feeling sad. I would honestly like to be sad less, but I do let myself feel sad, and I try to find stuff to be appreciative of. Like, that's something that has definitely, is definitely a good helper with depression of any kind, is just, um, you know, trying to be appreciative of the things in your life, even if it's small, like, you know, it's like, oh, my cat's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> usually brings depression. Yeah. Being appreciative. Gratitude is, is very important. Yeah. And I also have, I think, I, I really believe I have a amount of things, to, you know, uh, appreciative of. So, you know, that that's, again, speaking for my options. <laughs> so, um, Believe it or not, we're getting on the end of our conversation this round. I feel like this is the first, hopefully, of, of several we have uh, in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting a sense of uh, uh, a little bit of who you, who you, uh, who you are. I don't want to say that it sounds presumptuous, but I'm getting a sense of your vibe, your energy, uh, and I like it a lot. But in these last several minutes, now we're, we're at the beginning of a new year, 2021. And we went through some major stuff over the last four years as a as a society, and I think it really affected us all uh, personally as well. You right now, looking ahead, uh, what do you what are you feeling? What are you hoping for? Um, well, you know, I, I'm definitely excited about this new administration. I'm not especially a big fan of either of them, um, just because you know I don't think any politician is especially great, but I do think that they're such, 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 such a massive improvement on this last guy. Because I, I don't know, I just, he's, he's just not even like a reg- regular person to me. He's crazy. He's, he's like the shittiest version of an evil dictator. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I'm hoping, like, I feel like all these things, like with the QAnon and the Proud Boys, that there's just been, this has just been what I really think this is going to be viewed as as the history book, as like this short period of time, the last, where they tried to hold us back, you know? They were like, we don't want to go. You know, they all, the Proud Boys always say that, or like, you know, certain Nazi groups are like, multiculturalism doesn't work, we tried it. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't work, we tried it? It absolutely works. New York is proof of that. Everybody wants to be here. You know why? Because Queens is the most diverse area in the entire world. And we have all the best food here and so many different things that were brought by all these incredible people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My point to me, multiculturalism and diversity value of that have already won. And I'm hoping, you know, we're going to keep moving in that direction. And 2021, this administration, you know, Kamala, you know, being from all these places and Joe Biden having a wife who will keep her community college job while, you know, her husband is the president, just looks more modern and more what I want to see. And I'm hoping that the country in the world chooses to reflect that. I like it. I like it very much, Maddie. I, I, I that's sort of, uh, uh, how I'm looking at things as well. You, you, uh, 
you sort of voiced my my take on on the new administration. Um, you know, I'm I'm from the same city as uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I'm from Scranton as well, and uh, kind of proud and a little bit more of a you know a sense because of that reality. He's a good guy. You know, he might not be as left or as progressive as I I would like, but but he's I you know he's all right. That's it. Yeah, he is. But and, I could, boring's great right now. You know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been calling him Grandpa President. You know, I want Grandpa around now because we had that crazy, weird, creepy uncle for too long. You know, yeah. Boring is is good right about now. Grandpa President, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But uh, y- you know, it's really largely on us, right? We 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 citizens have to make sure that what we experienced in the last four years does not occur again, and and we have to change. We have a lot of things to change, a lot of problems, a lot of challenges still. We're not even close, but we're we're in a better direction now. Definitely. And he said that day one, he already wrote his, like, immigration reform, and it it, it looks pretty good. I don't know if it'll pass, but it, but it looks all right. He wants to change all this stuff, like, you know, what we've been doing with kids at the border and just he does. We don't want to treat people like that anymore, and he wants there to be better programming to identify refugees so that people get the help. Yeah, yeah. So the stuff that I've seen too, it does look good. I think it uh, it's going to be a, a nice uh, four years at, at least. Let's let's hope. We, hopefully, we can get you on the program again too. You know, I know you have a new job and stuff coming up, and you you know you have a lot of things going on. But uh, hopefully, we can find some time to talk again. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Maddie and Lo. Yep. All right. Great talking to you. Bye, Radio Free Brooklyn. Save me, baby I can save myself, myself 
Now, some actual findings from Harper's Magazine, the last page of the September 2020 edition, Actual Findings. Neuropsychologists developed a shorter IQ test for children with shorter attention spans. The depression-prone are less attracted to the political right. The nocturnal heart rate of young men can be predicted by their female partner's daytime feelings of intimacy or annoyance. Men who pose for photos with cats are seen as less dateable. Men can rate the facial attractiveness of women without paying attention. But women cannot do the same for men. Gay men find the faces of purportedly fertile women and men more attractive. Adolescents and adults both rate the faces of children younger than 4.6 years old as more appealing than those of older children. And body odors associated with fear quicken the visual processing of others' facial expressions of fear. Beak covering and nape feather ruffling indicate calmness in sulfur-crested cockatoos. Repetitive negative thinking was associated with an increased risk of dementia and self-harm in female adolescents may prevent suicide. Psychopaths recommend harsher punishments for homicides, whether accidental or motivated by profit, but exhibit relatively low concern about killing in general. Online murder-for-hire advertisements seek to convey professionalism 
yet tend not to provide references up front. Convalescent plasm helps Syrian hamsters fight SARS-CoV-2. Plastic surgeons suggested that Botox could reduce the expression of negative emotions by masked faces. The presence of a professional sports team increases a city's seasonal flu deaths. A psycholinguistic analysis of posts on Twitter and Weibo during COVID-19 lockdowns found that residents of Lombardy grew increasingly focused on leisure and residents of Wuhan grew increasingly focused on religion. Recent toilet paper hoarding was more prevalent among Americans than Europeans and more prevalent among the old than the young. Gerontologists cautioned that it would be difficult to predict individual Holocaust survivors' trauma or resilience in response to the pandemic, which was expected to strengthen the market for laboratory mouse suffocation chambers. Research proposed replacing the paradigm of extinction with that of evanescence. Climate change was expected to drive American lobsters to seek deeper waters, beavers to colonize new parts of Canada, and wolf spiders in the high Arctic to produce a second annual brood. Humboldt penguins who nest in the open have more pollutant metabolites in their blood than do penguins who nest in guano-rich burrows. The tiger snakes of Perth have heavy metals in their livers. Satellite imagery captured ecosystem damage from fog loss, and aerial photography confirmed the existence of Roman military camps revealed by the 2018 Welsh drought. A man buried at Newgrange Passage Tomb was found to be the product of first-degree incest, indicating that he was a member of the elite. Scientists concluded that humans smell in stereo. Pinkness predicts aggression in flamingos. Chimpanzees have a bone in their hearts. Chica 
grand. A chore, lore, core, whore, adore, bore, store, more, before, this sand, band, grand, hand, stand, brand, of colloquy will comfort you and me, despite how gone crazy we might be. And there you have it, episode 405 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Maddie Enlow. I also would like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Camp, Vampire Weekend, Soko, Miles Davis, Rodrigo Amarante, Sam and Dave, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I'd like to thank you 
for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.